2: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
3: Football Friday, Grant and Danny taking you up to 630. Thanks much for listening to the show. Here's your last opportunity to win tickets to see the Impractical Jokers. Caller number 10-800-636-1067. You're getting a pair of ticks. They are coming to D.C., the Drive, Drive, Drive Tour. Sunday, February 19th, Cap One Arena. You're going to be entered as well into a raffle for the grand prize. Two meet and greet passes. Tickets are on sale now. For tickets and more event information, go to thefandc.com. Without further ado, let's get to the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place... That first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting ops. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app, visiting BetQL.com. Brad Spielberger of PFF joins us right now. Awesome to have him back on the show. Brad, huge weekend of playoff football ahead. Give us your favorite game. You get to watch only one. Which one
1: are you choosing? I'm probably going. How could you not watch potentially the last game of Tom Brady's career?
3: You think he might retire? Because I don't know if you've heard, Giselle can't make him retire anymore, man.
1: <laughs> I actually, really, I actually really don't. But you know, just just for the potential intrigue. Uh, but no, I think he'll be playing next year, whether that's Tampa or elsewhere. But hey, you can't miss it, regardless.
4: So, what's your view of the Cowboys? I, I mean, I they had a couple of games, Brad, where they looked unbelievable. And then we just saw them firsthand here in D.C. last week where they looked like they'd never met. I mean, it, it was horrendous, that performance limping into the postseason. I got no idea who shows up on Monday.
1: I couldn't agree more with you. On, and everyone keeps talking about, rightfully so, Dak Prescott going 14-37 to 37 for 120 yards and a pick and a touchdown. But they also ran the ball 26 times for 64 yards. So they couldn't do anything on offense no matter what they tried. They're a hard team to gate. They obviously have a good defense, but it has not been good for the last month or so. And I think Tom Brady with the quickest average time to throw in the NFL at 2.3 seconds. That's how you mitigate a great pass rush is you don't even let him get home.
3: Yeah. They may well be able to do that. I'll say Dallas's pass rush wasn't as successful as I anticipated against a pretty porous Washington group last week as it is. I mean, should we just wash that game away or are there things to keep in mind? Like, how do you feel about that dud in week 18? Because it does feel like maybe the betting market hasn't thought much of it, but people as they're thinking about this game can't seem to knock it.
1: I don't think you can completely wash it away. I agree with you. It's kinda it seems like it's being ignored, but they genuinely tried, at least in the first half, to come out and win that game. Like any any excuse of they didn't care or yada yada is really not true. Um, and, and I think also there are fundamental issues to point to like I'm not really sure why Tyron Smith maybe a future Hall of Famer at left tackle Comes back from injury, and you decide to kick him back over to right tackle. I I know they want growth from their rookie first-rounder, Tyler Smith, at left tackle. He is the future at that position, but he's struggled last week. He's struggled since he started playing right tackle, which makes a ton of sense. It's a big adjustment. I think people think it's so easy to kind of shift positions that it's not, especially when you've played that long. So you point to that. You point to some injuries in the secondary that have led to some younger players playing. Maybe Tom Brady can take advantage of that a little bit. Look, I don't think they're a doomsday scenario. They easily could win this game, um, but but there's reason for concern. No question in Dallas.
4: Brad Spielberger with us here on G and D. Write me a Seattle script. Is it something to do with the weather? I don't know.
1: That's pretty much their only hope. But even then, it really it doesn't really bode well. If this becomes a running game, which it should be, as you mentioned, the wind and the rain. The Niners have the second best run defense, and the Seahawks have the 25th best run defense, and that was with. Linebacker Jordan Brooks, their former first-rounder, who's a really good player, he's out for this game. So I really can't write you a script because the one thing I could probably point to was, you know, the, the Niners, if you're going to attack one area of their defense, throwing on their corners, they've been okay. They get protected by this phenomenal defensive line. And obviously Geno Smith now with a healthy Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf loves to attack down the field, attack down the sidelines, on big chunk plays. But with the weather, that's going to be hard to do.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not sure if the weather can save the Seahawks in that game. Brock Purdy comes in on fire. He's playing really, really well. 13 touchdowns, three picks over six games. But this is the number one defense and the number five offense, according to the analytics. He's driving a Ferrari. I am conflicted on how much credit to give Purdy here because I think Shanahan's the best play designer and schemer in the league. And he, again, has been given the keys to an awesome whip. So what should we be thinking about Brock Purdy?
1: I, look, I agree with you, no question that Kyle Shanahan is the best in the business right now, but the interesting thing with Purdy is everyone keeps comping the Jimmy Garoppolo, and they kind of just assume he's a fellow check-down artist that just lets their you know Ferrari offensive weapons go to work, but he's really not. He, he's taking some shots down the field that Jimmy Garoppolo probably would shy away from, which is good and bad. Uh, he probably should have more than those three interceptions. He's gotten away with a couple of yolo balls over the last couple of weeks, but You know, it is crazy. He's laying nine and a half points as a rookie, you know, in his seventh NFL start, whatever it is, um, in a playoff game. It's pretty crazy, but I think he has the ability to do it. If he doesn't get confused by opposing defenses, and maybe they show him things he hasn't seen at this level, but the NFC is just not a good conference right now, and these defenses really, you know, maybe besides the Dallas, like we talked about, none of these defenses should really scare anyone. Uh, In fact, the opposite. Most defenses in the NFC are pretty bad, at least in one facet of play. So, Uh, As crazy as it sounds, they might be my favorite in the NFC. Brad, I'm terrible
4: at predicting games. I think especially playoff games. Um, So I may just fade myself and put money down on the Chargers, but I like Jacksonville in this matchup. I I feel... Good about them, especially after that defensive performance against Tennessee in the must-win when their offense wasn't doing much. They won in a different way. I like Doug Peterson. I just feel weird energy and vibes right now with the Chargers and the whole we're going to play everybody and lose in Denver and Mike Williams' injury. I don't know, man. Am I just overthinking it?
1: Uh, I'm not sure you are. I would have just ridiculously stupid decision to play those guys, guys that already dealt with injuries during the season. Obviously, Mike Williams, the player of note, who now it comes out has a fracture in his back and probably couldn't play until a Super Bowl, which they're probably not going to make without him. But look, obviously they beat the Brakes off them in week three, but that was the game after Herbert's rib injury. They had other injuries as well. Didn't have Joey Bosa for most of that game, but he got hurt in that game, and now he'll be back. So the only thing I would say pointing the Chargers' favor is, The Jaguars have a really, really good run defense. We saw that against the Titans. Derrick Henry, almost every first and ten run was for one or two yards. He really couldn't do much at all, but they're not a great pass defense. And the Chargers don't run the football. They kind of use Austin Eckler on screens and quick outs as kind of a pseudo run game. So that works in their favor. But look, how about a, a head coaching mismatch? I mean, Doug Peterson versus Brandon Staley. And Staley has been better. The defense has played much better as guys have gotten healthy. But yeah, the Jaguars are a plucky underdog in this one.
3: No doubt about it. Our guest, Brad Spielberger, breaking down the NFL playoff picture on Grant and Danny. Jacksonville, 4.7 yards per carry on the year. I think they do some good things with designs for Trevor Lawrence to help their running game. But Etienne's been fantastic. Chargers give up 145 and over almost 5.5 per carry. How could the Chargers stop the run in this game? They haven't been able to do it all year long. And I'm not sitting here pretending like that's the end-all, be-all in 2023, But you got to be able to do it better than they do at some point.
1: Yeah, so one thing they started to mess around with a little bit, particularly when Bosa was out, but that was bringing Derwin James down on the line, not even the box. Literally playing like a pseudo-edge defender or kind of a contain and quarterback spy, but that would be in run fits. And that did work for them a little bit. Maybe you don't have to do it as much now with Joey Bosa healthy, but I think that's the answer. Their off-ball linebacker play with Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray and whoever has really just not been good. Um, you know, so, so that's probably the way you stop the run, but if you sell out against this team to stop the run, I mean, the Jaguars have a bunch of pass catchers, guys that can win downfield and Marvin Jones, and Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, I think is going to do well against Bryce Callahan, a, a good player, but you know, dealt with injuries getting older in his career. And I, like I said, Doug Peterson, you mentioned as well, he's going to scheme things open for them. He's going to have sequences that come back later in the game, maybe confuse the defense, show them different looks, do different things. You know, it's it's going to be a great battle. All of these answers, I would say, skew me towards maybe playing the over in that game. I think both teams will be able to score in this matchup. At PFF
4: underscore Brad for our guest, Brad Spielberger here on GND. Um, Brad, I'm going to skip that Buffalo game here for a second because I am fascinated with Minnesota. It, for for a million different reasons, everybody thinks they stink. I mean, they got outscored by three points, yet they were thirteen and four this season. It defies everything we know about like predictive stats and and and, and otherwise. Everyone now just kind of seems to think they're just going to roll over and die, and the Giants are going to beat them on the road in Minnesota. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't want to see people sleeping on the Vikings. I don't think they're going anywhere, but I
1: feel like people are kind of sleeping on the Vikings. I think they win this matchup. Am I nuts? So I wouldn't definitely wouldn't call you nuts, uh, and I think it is funny that they win all these one-score games and have a bad point differential going from a coach that said, hey, if we play great defense and protect the football, that's how we win these close games. They bring in an offensive head coach who says, no, we're going to outscore people and we're not going to maybe have the worst defense in the NFL, yeah. um, and they end up winning all these games. But look, I am on that bandwagon that supports the Giants in this matchup. It's almost too many people. It's kind of making me nervous now. but. Losing right tackle Brian O'Neill is a massive, massive loss. Probably a top five right tackle in the NFL. We know the Giants blitz more than any team in the league. Kayvon Thibodeau is starting to really look like the dude we thought he was going to be coming out of college. They also have Aziz Ojalary healthy on the other side. And then Kirk Cousins' kryptonite is interior pressure. He's pretty good at stepping up at the pocket when it comes from the outside. But Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, one of the best interior duos in the NFL. I mean, look, these teams played about a month ago. It was a two-point game. Dory Jackson did not play in that game. And look, he's not going to shut down Justin Jefferson, but Jefferson had, I think, 11 catches for 130 yards or something like that in that game. Maybe he doesn't do that again. Um, I hear you. I think maybe it's gone a little bit too far, but if I'm being honest, that's my favorite upset pick of the weekend mm. is the New York Giants.
3: 12 catches for a buck 33 for Jefferson against the Giants. Hawkinson in that game, by the way, 13 catches for 109 yards. The entire offense basically went through those two guys. The Giants in that game, by the way, Brad, hit Cousins 11 times and sacked him four times, and that was with Brian
1: O'Neill at tackle. Exactly right. There you go. And, yeah, I think Hawkinson will be a good matchup for them. They do get Xavier McKinney back. The Giants do it. Safety, who kind of you know plays all over and brings some different looks. So that'll help a little bit, but I think Hawkinson's going to be the guy. If you're into player props and stuff like that, they're going to focus a ton on Jefferson. And I think when they do blitz, throwing into the blitz, which is you know kind of what you're taught to do as a quarterback, I think that guy is going to be TJ Hawkinson in the theme, maybe with some favorable matchups against a bad linebacker core and, and a safety core that's diverse and does you know interesting different things, but maybe can be exploited a little bit. So he's a guy I think will again be a focal point of the offense for them, no question about it.
3: How much does getting Bradbury back at center help? Because as you said, the D tackle spot is where teams have kicked their butt. Washington did it here at FedEx Field. We saw Allen and Payne just chew the Vikings apart. And they were playing the last couple weeks with a third-string center because two guys went down. Looks like Bradbury's going to go, though.
1: Yeah, I don't want to be too mean, but I don't think it matters much at all, frankly. I mean, look, he's better than the third-stringer, but he's he's a very, very poor pass blocker. He's a good run blocker. He's good in outside zone. That's why they took him in the first round was specifically his prowess at playing in space and getting to the second level as a zone run blocker, but... The Vikings haven't been able to run the football at all the last couple of weeks. Um, and the Giants aren't great against the run. They should have some lanes for Dalvin Cook in this game. But, yeah, I don't think Brad Berry is is going to be you know the difference maker that gets them back on track.
4: For the Giants' perspective, to me it's about their offense. If they can do enough, I, then I'm with you here, Brad. I just I know Minnesota's defense stinks, and you and I could probably go for 100 against them. I just don't <laughs> know.
3: Two games where Jones threw for 300.
4: Yeah, you? I just don't know where they'll get enough offense, even against a crappy Minnesota defense. Walk me through that.
1: Yeah, that, that is certainly fair. Um, you know, obviously, they get to Darius Smith back healthy. He said he's been dealing with something for a while. I really do. I think it's the worst defense in the playoffs. But, yeah, the Giants' offense is not dynamic by any means. You know, they've obviously had injuries of their own. They're going to be thrown to a bunch of you know, depth-wide receivers. Darius Slayton, the number one guy, was barely even on the active roster to start the season. Um, and, and now you know him, Richie James, all these guys they have in the fold there – so that could be probably how they win it. If Minnesota can have a good defensive performance, can keep this thing a little bit lower scoring, can score themselves because the Giants' defense is nothing special. I think that'll be the way. If it is a shootout and Daniel Jones, you know, on some design runs and and using Saquon Barkley in play action and and option runs and and zone read and all that stuff, that I think is the way. Is you can get the run game going, you get Minnesota committing more guys to the box maybe, and then you just target every cornerback not named Patrick Peterson, um, and, and probably do fairly well.
3: <laughs> yeah, just move the ball at will and don't turn it over and you'll probably be okay against that defense. Brad Spielberger's is with us on Grant and Danny. Ravens-Bengals, Cincinnati, eight and a half point spread now. The line has moved uh, in Baltimore's favor slightly, but still catching eight and a half points on the road. No Lamar Jackson. Top receivers and this is not new, but Bateman and Duvernay have been nowhere to be found. Those guys still aren't healthy, so they lack weapons. Why do you think there seems to be late movement towards Baltimore on the, in the betting market.
1: Yeah, and I actually helped on 9.5 myself. I think it was too many points, and, and it's because of the defense, right? So, you look at the Bengals and just their two games against the Ravens. If they took that EPA per play, you know, to the advanced metric, they'd be 30th. You know, one of the worst offenses in the NFL just against this Ravens defense. They're fifth overall in the season. Obviously, one of the best offenses in the league. And so, their right guard, Alex Kappa, got hurt last week against Baltimore. They're already without right tackle, Wyle Collins. That's the key there. If they can keep this thing super, super ugly, can limit this Bengals offense, they also haven't been able to run the football at all recently, kind of just stopped even trying um, in the last couple weeks. So I thought 9.5 points was too many. I do think Cincinnati's going to win. But, you know, they they won 27-16 last week with five turnovers, right? Like, the score honestly should have been closer, could have been much closer. and, And a healthy Tyler Huntley is better than Anthony Brown. So long answer short, I don't see them winning, um, but I did think 9.5 was too many points. I see this as like a 17-10, 20-13 type game.
4: Brad, I want to go back to that Bills game real quick. The couple times we saw them this year as kind of their own worst enemy. Right There's that four-turnover game against Minnesota. Three turnovers against the Bears. Didn't hurt them because, frankly, it's the Bears. But that Patriots game, they only won because they had a couple kickoff returns for a touchdown. They had three turnovers on offense. I, that's the only way I could see that. I'm not even talking about this, this Miami game, but how they don't make it here is if they have one of those kinds of games.
1: Yeah, if they're turning over the football and, and giving opposing teams an opportunity to score, their defense has not been as good as it was to start the year. Obviously, losing Von Miller will go a long way. Very unfortunate he's out. He was pretty much signed for these games, not the first 18. Um, And then, of course, with DeMar Hamlin, look, no one cares about football when it comes to DeMar Hamlin, but he was already the backup safety to Micah Hyde. So now they're on their third safety there and Jordan Poirier, their other star safety, not even close to a hundred percent healthy right now. So you can poke some holes in their defense. I think Gregory Rousseau has really come on as a really, really good young edge defender, but it's not the same defense it was to start the season. If they're gifting turnovers to the opposing team, that that's probably the way to do it. Um, I, I think they're going to do well against Miami. Miami's got a bunch of injuries. Teron Armstead is going to play, I assume, but, Again, not very healthy. Liam Eichenberg is out for this game. Uh, Bradley Chubb got his first practice of the weekend today, so he'll probably play, but not at 100%. Um, So I think they'll win this one, but I hear you. I, I have some concerns about the Bills. They were my Super Bowl pick before the season. I'm not so confident in that as of right now.
3: Brad Spielberger on Grant and Danny. Before we let you go, I want to localize this in D.C. for Commanders fans. You actually wrote a piece about Derek Carr and some possible landing spots, and you included Washington where would they rank among some of the teams that you think make the most sense and, and just provide some thoughts on that, if you would.
1: Yeah. So I did put them in kind of the honorable mentions category. I don't know if they're my top choice, but look, the, the issue there is they've gone the better route a couple times. Obviously you can't hold it against Alex Smith, his horrific injury. And you know, that, that honestly arguably did work out until that happened. Of course, with Carson Wentz, it's been kind of a nightmare, but when you're in that kind of quarterback purgatory of the first round where you just barely missed the playoffs, you can't really get a quarterback in the first round unless you want to you know, move heaven and earth and make this massive trade-up to go get a guy, then it points back towards maybe being in that veteran market. So I don't hate it. I think it's kind of funny, the, the, the mentality of going to an organization that was a once-proud franchise that now has kind of fallen on hard times. They want a, something to root for on Sundays, a guy to believe in, that they feel is fully committed, just cares about nothing but football, and the fan base, and that is Derek Carr. Um, but I think the Jets make a ton of sense here. I think Tampa is kind of an interesting choice as well if Tom Brady does lead. But, yeah, I think Washington is in the mix here. I wouldn't be surprised. Brad, thank you, buddy. Enjoy the weekend,
4: man. Thanks for the time. Thank, thank you, guys.
3: Great insight. Good look at the playoffs ahead by Brad Spielberger with us on Grant and Danny. We're breaking down every single game for you before this day ends. We'll also give you our confidence points picks today. But next, speaking of quarterback... Let's talk Sam Howell and how much he should factor into an O.C. hire and Washington putting together its offseason plans. Do they need to decide on whether or not they're rolling with Sam Howell before they go get an O.C. to get someone who might help get the most out of him? Do they need to decide that before they figure out if they want to jump in on some veteran quarterbacks? Next on G&D. (sighs)
0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: I think it should be a huge factor. The most valuable asset in today's NFL is a good quarterback on a rookie contract. I'm not saying Sam Howell is going to be a great quarterback or even a good quarterback, but I think he showed flashes of his potential in that Cowboys game. I do think he still has a ton of development to do, but there's a reason why at one point going into his final collegiate season, he was in consideration to be that number one
5: overall pick.
3: That was Ethan Cadeau earlier today on Grant and Danny talking about Sam Howell and how much he should be considered early this offseason as the commanders start to make their moves. It's my belief, Danny, that I think the first thing they've got to figure out is whether or not they're moving forward with him as at least competing for a starting job. If he's competing for a starting job, it means you're not trading for Carr or or signing him. Not spending big. You're not trading for Garoppolo. Yeah, You you are out of that tier, and you're going with the next group down. I'm going to call it the Mariota, Trubisky, uh, Brissette kind of collection of quarterbacks, at which point there's a real good chance Sam Howell ends up Getting the benefit of the doubt, taking the first rep in training camp in the whatever the new offense is, and winning the job. But I think they got to decide right now what their plan is at quarterback because I think it should absolutely factor into what they're going to do as far as their OC goes. I believe that they should have Hal running a little bit as part of this offense. It does not have to mean you put him at harm's risk. I think he's good at avoiding that, for the record. It does mean, though, that you're accentuating his strengths you're getting the most out of him. I think that's what coaching is. I keep referencing Daniel Jones. Brian Dable took over the Giants this offseason, and he said, okay, what what can we do to move the ball? This is a offense devoid of weapons. What do I have? He said, okay, first thing I'll write down, Saquon Barkley. Now, Saquon Barkley has not run for 100 yards in nine games, I don't think, but <clears throat> the number one thing they did early this season was get him going and get him back to basically being Saquon Barkley. The workhorse. Then he said, how do I help Daniel Jones? We don't have wide receivers. We don't have weapons. Well, the one thing he can do at an above-average level is use his mobility in his feet. So they worked in designed quarterback keepers, read option. He started running enough that it really opened things up for Barkley, but it also set some RPOs up in their passing game. He looked at the situation and said, I got a guy that's not very good if he's just going to stand there and throw it in the pocket all the time, but he could be better than that. And this is... What they are doing, I think, if they're smart, with Sam Howell with this new offensive coordinator, which means I want someone who's worked with quarterbacks who can move, who's designed some things in that 50-series read option realm. Like it, it Just as an example, if Greg Roman, who everyone in Baltimore hates his gut, yeah. if like he gets fired by the Ravens, that's the type of guy that would make sense to me because he wants to run the ball. He wants to allow a quarterback's feet to influence the running game. I just think Sam Howell should be either who they're basing some of their decisions on if they're going with him next year, or at least a decision on him is pertinent before they do the other stuff.
4: That's that's interesting to me because we have a very similar process to this with the, with a different endgame. I was going to use the Brian Dable argument to say, no, he shouldn't factor in at all. And here's, here's where I'm going with that. Brian Dable's an excellent offensive mind. The fact that he was stuck with Daniel Jones and said, Let me figure out the best thing to do with him is a compliment to Brian Dable. I want a great offensive mind to come in here and go, Well, what do I have with Sam Howell? What should I do? Right? Or whoever the quarterback is. If it's Sam Howell, if somebody falls in their lap, if, you know, let's say uh, somehow, some way, Anthony Richardson falls to them at 16 uh, in, in, in the draft, who's a bit of a project. I just want a good offensive mind around to get the most out of him, which may be different than another guy that's but, but on the you roster. Do not have point.
3: interest in? Knowing already because you've been around Sam Howell not mm-hmm. only for the pre-draft process but a calendar year you know him better than anyone in the league you don't have interest in pairing that knowledge with someone whose specialty is and or has thrived in what Howell does well or what you want Howell to be you don't you don't no, care about that I
4: don't care because it's to me this is a short-term thing. This is well, a one-year sure. rental type thing for both the OC and Howl is my stopgap. I mean, I, I, instead of doing a stopgap the veteran route, I'm doing stopgap kid
3: route. Okay, right? which, which I get, but see, this is always a, a difficult, like, needle to thread when we discuss this, because I don't have a better term than, like, straw man, but you, what you're saying does make sense in mm-hmm. this, like, robotic world of what is most likely to happen, dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. If you're Ron Rivera, you can't just make all your decisions like this is the last year. Do you know what I'm saying? No, totally If you're in the building, you can't say, well, we can't do anything beyond this season because we're likely all to get fired, and then it's a clean sheet. So uh, what you're saying makes sense, but in his mind, he's hiring someone for the next five years to work with someone for five years. And I'm not building anything around a fifth rounder who's throwing 19 passes. I'm not doing anything
4: other than I'm getting the best offensive mind I can get. Period. End of story. Whether that guy's... Run the ball, Randy, whether he's slinging 100 times, Sam, whatever we do, I'm going to get the best offensive mind I possibly can. I'm not going to let my stopgap quarterback dictate anything for me. Whereas previously, I mean, I think about head coaching hires here, coaching hires here. I firmly believe that they, they, th- this organization said, Jay, we got a broken Robert Griffin. You worked well with quarterbacks. You come in here and fix him. And that was the main driving force, the, besides the fact that Bruce already knew Jay from previous stops. I'm not doing that with this guy because I didn't trade a million things and I didn't have the rookie of the year. I have a guy that finally got a chance in week 18, a meaningless game. Or is it 19? I can't remember. How, uh, 18. Who played through 19 times and in a game where we had a pick six for a, a touchdown and. Only put up twenty points of offense, and everyone's losing their mind over it. I'm not letting that change anything about my plans for the next several years. And I like Hal. I'm giving Hal the gig, but I'm going. I'm not going to get a guy that like specializes in read option because Sam Hell might be able to run that. Okay.
3: No, I, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe I overstated the, the running part of it, or I don't know if you're pouncing on that or, or no. I I'm I just I'm offering an like, example. Like, yeah, of course you're going to hire the smartest person. I think that's every hire that's ever happened ever. Sure, is to go get the best candidate. I don't think I would I would say, well, that guy's smarter, but this guy's better. No, like, of course you're going to hire the smartest person. I just think that they need to decide first if Sam Howell's the starter next year or not. And if Sam Howell is the starter, then they should hire someone that, that will be a good fit with him. I guess that's my point. Mm. That, and I will take that over, I don't want to say a savant, but... That's not a reality anyway. I, right. I can't wrap my head around the idea. We're that both using overly
4: simplistic terms for a complex thing. So I, I I understand your point very well. I guess what I'm saying is the the timeline, the calendar is. I'm going to hire this offensive coordinator before a draft happens, before free agency happens. So I may not know if Sam Howell is my guy. I may have
3: an option that I'm not even aware of. But yet. But here's my point: is they need to know. Mm. I, I, I would decide that. Now, I'm not saying he is the starter definitively, uh-huh. but there are two paths to go here. There's only two. One path is you are, in the, you, you are going to get someone better than him to start over him. Mm-hmm. And we could name all the guys, but you know the gist of that. Right. The other is you're going to bring in someone who is not a starter in this league, who is a backup type, who is a 1B, who is a 2, who is a Taylor Heineke-ish figure, and in that path, we could call it how the starter or how competing or whatever, Howell but, the 1A, but that's yeah. Sam Howell's path. Mm-hmm. And I think they have to decide which path they're walking down before they 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 go get an OC and do anything else this offseason. I think that they should decide that. Because I, I do believe if they go the Howell route, then the goal should be to maximize him to the extent that you give him every opportunity to be the guy for the next four or five years. has nothing to do with 19 passes, which I think you're correct about. It's Uh 11 completions. Like People are crazy about what they think he could be based on one game. But he was, at one point in time, a first-round talent that a lot of people feel like. The report is they have a second-round grade on at one point in time that they've now taken. And if you're going to walk that lane with him, Go all in. like Do everything you can to make it work. Let's go to Chris, who's in Hyattsville on G&D. What's up, Chris?
6: What's up? I'm a little taking it back because I think before the draft, Sam Howell was a Commander Danny guy. Yeah, he was my my favorite
4: quarterback in in this draft. He was.
6: All right. So, listen, you asked the question, Grant, uh, should you keep rolling? Well, I'm Fred Durst. I'm rolling, (laughs) rolling, rolling. I keep rolling, rolling, rolling with Sam Howell. Okay? And... Listen, I don't, they don't have the means to acquire a better quarterback. They're going to pick 16th. It's a crapshoot if they do. Who's going to be available? I don't know. I don't like any of the free agent options. I'm not trading away for Derek Carr and having possibly another Russell Wilson situation. Unless Daniel Jones is unprotected, which I can't imagine this is going to happen, they've got to roll with the guy they have and build the best possible team for any quarterback. That's what they should do. As far as offensive coordinator, I'm looking for a guy who has had success with at least two or multiple quarterbacks. Like a quarterback coach, another OC, former OC, whatever, who has coached up multiple guys, not just rode the coattails of one superstar.
3: So that's an important addition, I think, to what we're talking about. Good call, thanks, as always, Chris. Is Based on the howl or not the howl path, Uh like I'm trying to get Daniel Jones or I'm trying to get Jimmy Garoppolo. Versus Hal and Jacoby Brissett, if you drive the Hal path, I want someone who has developed a young quarterback recently, who has sat there and gone over the the quiz for the defense on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, with a QB in this league over the last couple of years, who's got some pelts on the wall where they can point to. This was what this guy was before I got there. This is what he was when I left. For the same reason, I'm talking about with someone who's able to. Um, do some of the creative running things, because to me, that's the only way the Hal thing works. The only way going with Sam Hal next year is a success offensively to the point where you win enough games. In my opinion, is if you, you use end- the whole skill set exactly. Is yeah. if he ends up being a dual threat of sorts, and their offense. This is the only. This is the only ceiling for the offense they want to run, leading to points and explosiveness and things that matter. Other than time of possession, they need to be able to turn wanting to run the ball a lot into a, a modern day efficient offense. That's Baltimore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there are some teams who can do that. Chicago. Now you don't have Justin Fields. You don't have Lamar Jackson. But I think you got to have like a watered down version, and that's where I go back to the Giants who have done that exact same thing. I mean, how many people would would think this? The Vikings are playing the Giants in the playoffs this week, this weekend, and Minnesota's offense, in terms of DVOA, is worse than New York's this year. Like, New York ended up being... That's so wild, right? I'm pretty sure New York ended up being, I'll find it here, I I wrote it down in my notes, 10th in DVOA offensively this season. Like, who would have thought that's a top 10? Now, that speaks, in my opinion... Brian Dayball being a badass. Yeah, Daniel
4: basically. Jones' is 700-whatever rushing yards. It's a huge, huge part
3: of it. Uh-huh. 800-636-1067. You want to join us on Grant and Danny? We got confidence points picks coming up still as well right here on The Fan.
5: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, Plan savings with three lines of T Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
3: How do people eat healthy on the weekends during NFL playoffs? No idea. I'm sitting here already, and this is just the life of a fat guy. But I'm sitting here already going, How on earth am I gonna get through tomorrow trying to eat well? During the week, I can manage, okay, I'm not even great for the record, but I'm staying under, you know, the calorie count I'm trying to, and I know better, I learned the right way to do it with our buddies over at EMP years ago, mm-hmm. like, it's carbs, it's sugars, it's, and I'm not even worried about it. I'm just doing a calorie count bit, yeah. which is not even the best way, but I'm you know, just mathing it up, like, if I get this many steps, if I do this, all I've been thinking about is, how am I not going to order wings, or pizza, or make some type of ridiculous food in the oven that's... Yep. You know, it served as an appetizer at a sports bar. That's right. How am I not going to do Cape Cod chips and hell of a good dip and six sodas? How did? Do, how does anyone watch football and eat something healthy
4: or not eat? I, I'm. Where are my hands? They're facing the sky. I have no idea. They
3: go hand in hand for me.
4: Well, or, do you agree to that at all? Well, I'll see that and raise you this. My, you know, my my nine year old's on like a basketball team. You know, where they they. You know, they play their games or whatever. And I started to do the I do the bit where I go, hey, bud, you want to go get a treat? It's not for him. Oh, yeah, that's the best.
3: <laughs> for him. Oh, do you know how many times my kids have gotten a happy meal? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, that's precisely it. Like,
4: that was my greatest. So, that's what I, I thought of as a kid, where it's like, oh, after my game, I played so well. We're going to McDonald's. Right. It's because my dad wanted to go to McDonald's. <laughs>
3: you know do you what think I mean? our parents were doing it for that reason. Yes. Too? No. Yes. I don't think our parents were as slovenly as us.
4: Ryan Lochte. That's what they wanted to do. Really? Yes.
3: I thought it was because we had a good game. Hey, pal, special treat for you. You had a couple of assists there. <laughs> you think that was what our dad
4: said? <laughs> 100%. Wow. They're 100%. Just,
3: they're just like us. Yeah, enjoy your
4: hot cakes and sausage. I'm going to get that McMuffin.
3: When I bring the kids home with like a you know the little McDonald's uh, Happy Meal box that you hold with uh-huh. the, the arches, you can put your fingers in. Oh, you know the I'm arches. Saying? Yeah, they're so handy. So they carry him in the house and, at, and my wife just comes around the corner and she's like, "Oh." And she just gives me that look. Yep. I'm like, "They, they got it. they 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 were hungry. They wanted it." For the kids. My son, you know what my son loves doing is getting a hash brown after we drop Reagan off at uh at school. That's what he likes? He's a big fan of the hash browns <laughs> at McDonald's. He's silly like that. You know
4: how good the bacon egg and cheese biscuit is there for breakfast at McDonald's? I'm sure, I know. You how. know how good?
3: It's You know how good it is? Yes. It's really good. It's terrific hot take at McDonald's and just in general with breakfast sandwiches. All right. I'm more of a sausage, egg and cheese guy. Here's why. The bacon, you, you don't ask me to run down bacon. I'll end your life over that, okay? Don't ask me to do it. You get a little more meat. It's a little more weighty sandwich. The bacon, a couple of strips, whatever, it's a lot of egg and cheese. The consistency is not quite the same. You put a big sausage patty on there, it's... Not quite at the level of a burger, but the consistency on a breakfast sandwich is a little better.
4: Now, I hear you on that, and allow allow me to retort, if I may. You're Mm -hmm. not going to get me to run down sausage, similarly. Like, you and me will come to blows, all right? Now. Links or patties? Dealer's choice. You can't go wrong. There's there's no wrong door. The reason I'm choosing the bacon is because it's a side sandwich. See you know what I'm saying? That's not oh, my main.
3: Well then that's fine. It's, if a, it's a side sandwich, we got nothing to talk yeah, I'm about. I'm
4: doing the big breakfast with hotcakes, and then on the side, that's my that's my sausage, so egg, I'm, and cheese I've biscuit. I've never
3: done that bit. Yeah. I've only ever done the sandwich, but there there have been some times, not recently, ideally, but maybe, where there have been two breakfasts. Two breakfasts? <laughs> There's a couple breakfast sandwiches with a couple hatch browns, and then we get a bottle of water with a diet coke. Well then the kids can't finish their hash browns and you're hovering like a vulture. <laughs> There's only one person in the car when that order gets made. <laughs> Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Bobby in Warsaw. Bobby. Bobby, what's up?
7: Oh, nothing much. Uh, uh You know, us 100 year olds can't get around, but so good. You know how it is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Bobby. Bobby. You're, a young 100, buddy. you're doing bits, Bobby. I know you are. <laughs> okay. My deal with Hal is okay. Rivera's on a between a rock and a hard place, which is some of his own making a lot of his own making doing it. If he gets another quarterback, like, uh, uh Garoppolo and pays a bunch of money to, then he has no money to upgrade the offensive line. To me, that needs before you're going to get a decent, uh, a really, uh, first rate quarterback, as you don't think Heineck is, and, uh, then I think you're going to have to uh, uh, upgrade the line to get him, especially if he's a veteran wants going to want to come here and get killed.
3: Hopefully they learned their lesson last year, given all the money they had to Wentz and so not being able to okay. do what they needed to otherwise. Chris is in Brandywine. What's up, Chris? So, Chris? You think they should think about how with their OC hiring or no?
7: Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, I think that they honestly need to go ahead and move forward with and think about him with the OC because the reward is so great. If you, He's a fifth-round draft pick. If he even has a
1: hint of being that guy, you save so much money that you can spread around to the rest of the team in terms of the offensive line, the secondary, linebacker depth. Uh, so
7: if you can get a guy that can build around or plan around how and accentuate his strength, it just makes the team so much better. That's what I'm looking for. Now, totally.
3: That person, to Danny's point, needs to be Uber qualified and needs to be really sharp as attack and needs to be someone who can also succeed if Hal is not available because he gets hurt or falls on his face and loses a competition to Jacoby Brissett, who's a pocket passer. Or let's just say you're sitting there at at number sixteen and you didn't think that it would, but somehow, some way Will Levis falls into your lap and and now you get a quarterback in the first round. Like you, you need to be able to work with a lot of different types of of QBs no doubt I just want someone who can make Hal better and has some experience in the ways that Hal is really good talking about Sam how on Grant and Danny here on 1067 the fan let's go to Mo in Largo Mo what's up
7: good afternoon gentlemen thanks for taking my call about it first off just give me give me a second gentlemen Danny You got to put some respect on that man's name. I know you're talking about 19 attempts and all that, but my man went out there and beat the Cowboys. After having no reps all season, and if it weren't for a couple drops, that stat line would have been solid. Oh, it would have been way better.
4: So, well, let me—I will let you finish. I promise. style. I—I am a Sam Howell guy, and I—I I brought that same point up. He'd have had over 200 yards if those—if those, if those catches were made. I like him, but I'm not. All I'm saying is I'm not going to change like the course of my franchise for it. I think he's worth pursuing. I would start him next year right now and get out of this veteran trade market for sure. I'm not anti-Sam Howell. I'm just talking like something slightly different for me. But please, go on.
7: I understand. I understand. I just don't like the the, the tone with the fifth-round draft pick when you throw that in there we're talking about. That's a little ball, bit slender. But, so you. You.
3: but it is a reality, right? I mean, four rounds went by and no one took this guy. There is a history when you're drafted after round four that is not kind, and that shouldn't be ignored. Right? I understand there's, it there's can make a, you feel some type of way. I get that. But I also think also it's a reasonable.
7: a guys get passed over. There's also true. A history of guys getting passed over, so well, it goes but, both ways.
3: No, 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 but but let's not pretend like just as many fifth-round quarterbacks make it as starters that don't. That's just not You're right. true.
7: You're right. You're but, right. But go I'm ahead. Just, go ahead. He's just my guy. He's my guy. I mean, I was toting for him before we even got into the draft, so that's all that is. But as far as the topic at hand, I absolutely believe that that should be a part of your thought process moving forward with regards to the offensive coordinator because he needs to be versatile. He doesn't necessarily have to specialize in a run-first offense but he needs to have some type of versatility or at least the mindset to where we're going to maximize whatever our potential is at that position. We're not going to try to fit this guy into our system. We're going to try to fit our system to this guy. And to be honest, I mean, if they can make a move as soon as possible with ownership, I would love for Jay Gruden to come back. He has the <laughs> oh, pedigree. Man. That would be he awesome. knows what to do. We love him. And not to mention, I mean, he has the background with dealing with a running quarterback. He dealt with Cousins, and I think this guy is a mixture of both. He can I, get people open.
3: Love- don't hold your breath, Mo. Thanks, Mo. Is what I'll tell you. As always, I love the call. I'm gonna put Mo on my short list of callers that I, you know, that, uh, I don't we're know, Mo guys here. I don't know if I'm a like if I have a Hall of Fame or a Mount Rushmore or whatever. Mo doesn't call that much. He's like a once a week, once every couple weeks guy. I'm a Mo guy. It's
4: usually when he's bothered by me. I feel like I don't is what. No, no, not in a mean way, but he's like, you know what, Danny, I can't let that pass. No, and then he calls. I,
3: I think you're making it about you and you don't need to right now. I love I, making I, it I think about he me. he just calls in every couple of weeks as he sees fit. But maybe also he hates your guy. Yeah. All, there we go. That's, Wait, that's not possible. Better. <laughs> uh, uh, let's go with our confidence points picks before we get out of here. Uh, crap. Is everyone ready to go? Everyone locked and loaded? Now we got fewer games so you can get as cute as you want to. It's the playoffs. All right. So you can, you can if you need to get cute, now's the time to do it. But. We also have a couple more games to break down still. We will do that next on G&D on the fan.
2: (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.